Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Grace. Welcome to everybody uh, watching online. It's good to have you guys here with us this weekend. I love that song we just did, Joy of Hearts. That's a 400-year-old hymn. Isn't that awesome? And uh, the guys took it and put a guitar lick and a bass line, and the Lord said, it is good. And I, <laughs> I just love, I love that song. I love it when we do it. Uh, welcome. Hey, uh, before we get into our, our uh, conversation here this weekend, I think it'd be uh, real appropriate for us to take a little bit of time uh, and spend in prayer. There's a lot going on uh, in our world. You, you read the news too. Um, but what's on my heart really right now is things with a hurricane. Uh, so a lot in Florida on the East Coast. We have lots of people that we know and love there. And then uh, a lot in Haiti. So uh, we do a lot of work in Haiti. I have a lot of churches, a lot of friends, a lot of leaders that we love and respect there. And uh, think, of, think of getting hit with that kind of a storm. There's no warning. There's no evacuation plan. There's no emergency response. And uh, a lot of homes, your, your backyard shed would be sturdier than a lot of those homes. So the, the devastation is pretty severe. And then when you grow the crops that you live on, uh, when the mudslides and stuff like that hit, it, it gets really bad. And so I want to pray for those folks. We have a short-term team in Haiti right now uh, doing some medical work. And <clears throat> they are safe. They had to move locations. Uh, but they are safe and actually able to continue some of their work. And then uh, the villages that we work the most in is a village called Bercy. It got hit, uh, but it's not a total devastation thing, uh, but our, our churches and uh, workers there. So as, as things clarify and we find out how to help and where to help, we'll let you guys know that. We don't know yet. It's kind of still happening uh, but I want us to be sure that we, we pray and uphold those folks before the Lord. The other thing I, I really would uh, ask you to pray for is this week uh, we're having about 300 pastors and leaders uh, coming into Akron here to Grace. And uh, we're doing a, a pastor leader summit uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So if you'd just be praying that God works in that, that time's enriching and fulfilling and equipping uh, for those folks I appreciate that as well. So why don't we just take a minute, bow our heads and close our eyes. You pray. Whatever else is on your heart, just take it for the Lord. And uh, I'll pray aloud here in a minute. Lord Jesus, we, uh, we bring all things to you. That's what you told us to do, to, to bring all of our cares, all of our anxiety, and give it to you to come boldly in front of you and ask. And so that's what we're doing. And we're asking, Lord, that you protect and help our friends and colleagues and people that we love and that you love in Haiti, and that uh, you'll shield them in a special way, and then... Uh, God, as their needs become clear, give us a, a unique passion to respond and to express your love to people. And so, uh, God, just guide us through that. Lord, with all that's going on in our world, it's a, it's a hard time in many ways, a confusing time in many ways. And Lord, uh, we, we know that we don't always understand what you do and why you allow, and, but we trust you. Uh, we trust you with our own lives. We trust you with global questions and 
And so, Lord, you tell us to come to you and pray and to make those requests known, and that's that's what we want to do. So help us and help others in those ways. God, thank you for all the pastors and leaders that are coming in this week. And I thank you for our partners at the Great Commandment Network that we're teaming up to do this conference with. And Lord, let that be an enriching time. Just be in the, the mix of that. Our ministry's hard and exhausting, so let it be refreshing and equipping and exciting and just work in a, in a great way in those ways. Lord, we trust you with the personal things. Lord, as we gather here and even online, there's, there's every individual life has pressures and anxieties and worries and, and joys and dreams and hopes. And God, thank you that you love us individually, even as you help us corporately. And, and we trust you for all those things. So thank you, Jesus. And we love you in your name. Amen. We've been in a series here these last few uh, weeks called Foolproof, and we're actually going to finish this series this weekend. And in the, in the course of this series, we've been looking at the idea of wisdom, right? And so spent a lot of time in the book of Proverbs and some time in the book of James and just talking about this concept of, of wisdom and how God gives us wisdom and allows us to, uh, to navigate through life. So we've talked about the need of wisdom. We've talked about the difference between earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom. we talked about how to access wisdom. And this weekend, as, as we conclude our thoughts here, I want to talk about how we can use wisdom to avoid the blow-ups in our lives, right? So if you've missed the rest of the series or missed a week or two, I encourage you to go out online, go to our website, graceohio.org. Uh, you can watch things or listen to them there if you want. Uh, go to iTunes, get a podcast uh, for free and kind of fill in those blanks. But this weekend, let's, let's talk about how do we avoid these blow-ups in our lives. So I want you to get this phrase in, in your mind. You can, you can write this down. You can tweet it. Maybe a tattoo is in order, but here, here's a phrase. Ready? Every bomb has a fuse. Every fuse has a spark. Every spark has a source, right? Think about that. Every bomb has a fuse. Every fuse has a spark. Every spark has a source. And this weekend, we're going to talk about bringing wisdom to the source of things, to the very, very bottom line. Now, what do we mean by that phrase? As we've talked about wisdom, we talked about wisdom mostly in the process of decision-making. Wisdom is something that kind of proves itself right over time, and a lot of our decisions, a lot of our life directions, if we can bring wisdom to that process, we can interrupt the fuse, we can mitigate the explosion, but boy, if we could cut it off at its knees, if we could go to the source, we could put our life in a different direction and move Uh, move differently from the get-go, right? So our lives don't blow up overnight. Now, we're not talking about life tragedies. Those happen. That's a different conversation, right? So that's different. I'm talking about in the context of this conversation, our lives don't blow up overnight. We don't wake up one day divorced, right? We don't don't have a healthy, Christ-centered, loving, mutually submissive marriage, and then the next day we're like, I got divorced, right? Now, we can feel that way, but when you start backtracking, you realize, oh, this has been eroding over time. It's a process that takes place. Uh, We don't wake up one day mired in debt. We're not like, I don't know what happened. Just overnight, there's $40,000 on my credit card. There's a process, a decision-making, a value process that's played out over time. Uh, We don't always wake up like unhealthy overnight, right? Like, I don't know what happened. No, we would look back and say, oh, well, I never did this. I never did that. They said lose weight and exercise. I never did those things. And now here I am with this big 
health problem. Uh, we don't wake up an addict. We, we don't just wake up one day like addicted. We, we look and say, man, I made this decision. I started drinking in college. It got out of control. I just kept feeding it. I was functional, and now it's out of control. I don't know what to do about it. We don't wake up bitter. We don't wake up materialistic. We don't wake up hateful. All those things are processes that play out over time. And what we've talked a lot about a lot with wisdom is what happens is life finally blows up, like the explosion happens, and it's at that moment of explosion that we'll look and say, God, help me. God, do something. God, fix it. God, miraculously put this life back together. Give me a silver bullet to make my marriage work again because I'm losing it. And let me say that God wants us to do that. If you cry out to God when life blows up, that's exactly the correct response. That We need to cry out to God, and he does do miraculous things. God's the God of the resurrection. But God would also might look back and say, you know, uh, a part of this is why I gave you wisdom. I made it accessible to you, because if we could have addressed the source before the spark, before the fuse, before the bomb, we would never get to the bomb and that's a big part of what wisdom does it it navigates us through all of life from the very beginning and if we can lay in the right foundation we can move in the direction from the get-go so let's talk about how do we do that how do we get wisdom because that's what Solomon told his sons to do he said sons go get wisdom wisdom is something that we acquire is something that we ask God for. Wisdom is not a mystery. You don't have to climb a mountain and ring a bell and smell incense to get wisdom. You can ask God, he'll give generously without finding fault. But we've learned throughout the course of this series that there is no such thing as neutral in our spiritual lives, right? I'm either pursuing Christ or drifting into my sin nature. There's no such thing as just sitting still. And in the context of wisdom, the Bible says I'm either getting wisdom or I'm drifting into folly, into foolishness. So if I want to avoid the blow up, how do I pursue wisdom, get a hold of it, and receive it, and bring it into the aspects of my life? And what's fascinating is you read through the book of Proverbs, there's themes in the book of Proverbs. I encourage you guys to read it. It's a blast to do. And, and as you read it, you can start to find certain words or certain themes that jump out. And there's about three to five of these themes. I pick three uh, for time, and I'm a pastor, and I just have to do things in threes. And so I pick three of them to, to like lay out for us that if we'll allow wisdom to do these things, to play these themes out in our lives at the source of ourselves, they'll bring about deep and permanent life change. So let me show you this, okay? And we'll dig out a little bit. How do you avoid the blow-ups? How do you get wisdom? How do, what do you allow it to do so that life never melts down in the first place? Here's the first idea I put in your notes for you. Uh, the first thing we need to do is we need to allow wisdom to guide us. Allow wisdom to guide us. Now, if you want to open your Bibles and hang out in the book of Proverbs, you can. We're going to move all around the book of Proverbs. So I put all the verses on the screen for us this weekend. But if you want to open your Bibles up there and highlight these verses, you can do that or use the app and, uh, and then you'll have notes with it, okay? So the first thing I'm doing, I'm getting wisdom and then I'm allowing that wisdom to guide us. Proverbs eleven fourteen says this, for lack of guidance a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. Uh, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 18. Plans are established by seeking advice, so if you wage war, obtain 
guidance, and that word guidance and concept of guidance is all through the scripture, that a wise person will seek guidance, they'll receive guidance, they'll go out of their way to find guidance. Now here's the fascinating thing about that word. That word guidance, we transferred, we uh, translated it from the Hebrew into the English here in this part of the Bible. In the Hebrew, the word guidance is where we get our word rope, ropes, right? So literally like a piece of rope. And this is the image that Solomon is writing. Think of a, the ancient world in a ship, and that ship has ropes on it. Now, somebody last night told me that on a sailboat, there's no such things as ropes, there's a guideline, there's a blah, blah, there's a bling, bling, there's a yada, yada, right? And I looked at my friend and I said, aren't they all just ropes? He's like, yeah. I was like, okay, so you have a weird word for ropes, but we're talking about ropes, right? So this is, this is the picture. These are ropes. And you think about, I'm going to raise a sail. I'm going to turn the, the thing. I'm going to steer the ship. I'm going to use a rope, right, to guide the vessel. This is where we get our, our English modern vernacular concept of learning the ropes. That's where that came from. I'm going to get on a ship. I'm going to learn the ropes. I'm going to learn what does what in order to make the ship go where I want it to go. So Solomon looks at his sons and he says, listen, what wisdom does is it allows you to learn the ropes. A wise person learns the ropes. A wise person learns how to do things. A wise person seeks counsel, a, li- a wise person understands how to go through life, right? And this is the way that life works. The Bible says that there is someone called, they, they, the, the Proverbs term it the simple. The simple person is someone who just doesn't know. I just don't know. I don't have that information. And we would look and say, yeah, a simple person needs to learn the ropes, right? You got a new job, you got to learn the ropes. You start at a new college, you got to learn the ropes, right? You get married, you got to learn the ropes, right? It's no big deal. It just means that you don't know yet. All of us are simple in some area of our lives all the time. There's always something new. There's some new thing that we've never experienced before, and we have to learn the ropes as we go through life, we have to seek and obtain wisdom. Uh, when I was thinking about this, I had this, this picture come to my mind. Uh, a few years ago, at our Christmas Eve service, uh, Pastor Ben had an incident with his child. Look at this picture. It's one of my favorite pictures. Look at Ben's face. Look what the baby's doing, right? So Ben's like, oh, Christmas baby's like candle, flame, right? Grab. And, and that picture got stashed at just the right time. And when we first saw it, we started laughing, we're teasing Ben. Ben's like, I'm, I'm the worst father ever in the history of fathers. We're like, yeah. And we, we started, it was funny, like all of us who are older, I'm about 20 years older than Ben, all of us who were older started telling stories about when our kids did something crazy at the Christmas Eve service. So we're like, yeah, well, I remember when my kid had the candle and dumped the candle and the hot wax ran down their sister's back, you know? And we started, like, my, my niece one time caught my other niece's hair on fire with a candle at Christmas Eve. Because when you think Christmas, you think open flame, right? And so it's like, I don't know, we should really quit doing that because there's all these stories. But we were laughing because we were looking at Ben and saying, yeah, we learned the ropes, we learned the ropes, we learned the ropes, we learn the ropes. The wise person allows wisdom to guide them. They seek counsel. A wise person looks for guidance. 
They look to someone else who has been there and done that and say, will you teach me what you have learned? A wise person has a multitude of counselors is the biblical word for it. It's actually how the eldership here at Grace works. There's many spiritual leaders. When I'm trying to make a decision or steer the church, I go and seek counsel. What do you guys think? How do you see the scripture? Will you pray with me? Will you, I'm looking and saying, will you learn the, help me learn the ropes? If you're starting a new career, you should look at someone who's been successful in that and say, teach me what you've learned, right? This is what parents are trying to pass to their children. We know life. We know that there's life after high school. Trust me. Let me show you the ropes. And the Bible says a wise person does this. This is where Paul tells Titus, he says, have the older women, the godly older women, instruct the younger women. Have the older godly men instruct the younger men. Why? Because the mom who's been there and done that, when you have baby coma and you can't think straight, there's an older mom that will look at you and say, you know, it gets better. There's, there's life after baby right? When you have older parents and you have teenage coma, there's parents that look and say, there's life. There's life at the end. You can, you can do it. The older instruct the younger. Why? Because we don't know the ropes, and the wise person allows that guidance into their life. The wise person welcomes that. The wise person seeks that guidance. Now, it's fascinating because Proverbs then contrasts that with the fool, and the, the Proverbs would say this, that the fool trust only themselves. Fools trust only themselves. They won't seek guidance. Proverbs 18, verses 1 and 2, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Whoever isolates himself is only going to listen to himself. He doesn't seek guidance. And a fool does not take pleasure in wisdom. They only want to express their own uh, opinion. A fool only listens to themselves. Their opinion is their truth. Their opinion is their advisor. And so because they don't know the ropes, they will do foolish things, right? We also learn from Proverbs that fools hang out with each other. So fools listen to fools, right? And they'll listen to other people who only learn the rope. When young people only take advice from young people, they do foolish things. By the way, when old people only take advice from old people, they do foolish things. When I isolate myself with only people who agree with me, I will never glean wisdom and take wisdom from it. And I will, I will break out against sound judgment. This is, this is the idea of a rebel without a cause. Why, why, are you, why are you doing that? Because they told me to do this. I'm going to beat the system, right? How come you always ignore that guy? Because that guy told me I should do something. I'm not going to listen to that guy. I'm going to beat the system. Well, you, don't, you never beat the system, right? Not spiritually, there's always wisdom to be gleaned. God is always right. And the wise will seek that. The fool will press against it for the sake of pressing against it. Now, this is what we do with it. That's kind of a diagnosis, right? This is what the wise do. This is what a fool does. Now, we have to internalize this. We have to ask this question. If the wise seek guidance and the fool only listens to themselves, 
if I never seek guidance, why not? Every bomb has a fuse, every fuse has a spark, every spark has a source. What is going on in my heart? Where did I make a decision in my life that I, I refuse to seek or to accept guidance? Way down here, we'll look and say, you gotta fix my marriage. Well, I've been, I've been telling you for years how to fix your marriage. You decided to ignore me. You gotta make this happen. I don't know if I can now. There's a source to this. Every bomb has a fuse. If you interrupt the fuse with wisdom, you can keep the detonation from going. If you, can, if you can mute the spark, you can keep the fuse from lighting. But at the source, why do I constantly make these types of decisions? Why am I habitually in these cycles? What is it that keeps me from accepting guidance in my life? Let me give you an example of this. I was thinking about this in my own life uh, a few years ago. I was having a hard time struggling with some things and I read a book. And in this book, it, it says something fascinating to me. It said, uh, the book was about grief. And the book said, you learn to grieve as a child. I thought, okay, that's interesting. And so the book had me go through this exercise and it said, go back and think about the first time you grieved about something. How did you handle it? And so I remembered the event, the first time I was sad or grieved about something, and it's when my dad had a stroke. I, he was 48, I was 12. And I'm the baby of my family, the blessing of my family, really the best thing that ever happened to my family. And, and I remember when my dad had a stroke and I was 12, my mom had to go back to work, my, my brother was living in another state, my oldest sister was married, my other sister was in high school, and I felt very alone. And I remembered, as I was going through this exercise, I remember sitting in my room in the basement of my house, thinking to myself, I don't want to be a burden to anyone. So I am going to handle this by myself. I remember that decision. That's a source. I made a decision. That decision affected me spiritually. It affected me emotionally. It affected me mentally. So when I think about receiving guidance or asking for help or asking for input, when I think about that, I always think I don't want to bother a person. That, that, person, can prob that person probably knows the answer. I don't want to bug them. That person probably could steer me through that. I don't, I don't want to be an imposition. I don't want to be a bother. I always struggle with that idea all the time. That has actually floated into my marriage. So when I have something going on in my marriage, I have to really fight this. I'll hold it inside. I'll hold it inside. I'll kind of wrestle with it. I don't want to bother. I'll feel insecure about my relationship with Heidi. Uh, that'll affect my parenting, affects my relationships, affects my leadership of the church. And then what happens is, kaboom, something blows up. And I can, oh, I can run my mouth. Let me tell you what's wrong with everybody, right? In detail. And there's an explosion. Why? Because way back there's a source. Every bomb has a fuse, every fuse has a spark, every spark has a source. There's a source that says, I can handle life on my own. I don't need Heidi, I don't need the kids, I don't need friends, I don't even need God. Jeff knows. And a wise person invites wisdom to that point of their, that is in my heart invites wisdom into that place in my heart. That comes out as pride, that comes out as insecurity, that comes out as all kinds of things.
but that source puts my life on a trajectory. And if I will invite Christ and invite God's word and invite wisdom to that place in my heart, and I have to do that in my life. I have to remind myself I don't know everything. I have to remind myself to tell people what I think and what I feel, right? And when I look at why, why, do, I, why do I not seek guidance? Well, I go back to that, right? Somehow I believed a lie that I don't need any. Now, you have your own source. That's just an example. But you, you trace this all the way back right? We're not, just, we're not just managing an explosion. We're not just cutting off a fuse, stop it before it starts. We're not even trying to mitigate the spark. We're going to go to the source. What is the deep thing in my heart that I need to allow wisdom to address? The second thing that, that kind of the theme in Proverbs is this idea. Wisdom gives me guidance. The other thing is this. If I want to allow wisdom to short-circuit this explosion, I have to allow wisdom to correct me. I have to allow wisdom to correct me. Look at this, Proverbs 15, verses 31, 32. Whoever heeds life-giving correction will be at home among the wise. Those who disregard discipline despise themselves but the one who heeds correction gains understanding. That's a huge phrase. Listen to that again. Look at it. Those who despise discipline, who disregard discipline, despise themselves. I'm hurting myself when I despise discipline. Proverbs 12:1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. Whoever hates correction is stupid. I love so much that the Bible says that, right? Whoever, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. Whoever hates correction is stupid. So when your mom says, don't say stupid, look at her and say, the Bible, I'm quoting the Bible, mom. That's what I'm doing. It's in the Bible, right? When I despise discipline, I hurt myself. I am a fool when I despise discipline. Now look at the contrast. Uh, the, the wise don't, don't despise discipline. The wise don't just accept discipline. They love it, the Bible teaches. They love discipline. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 9 Instruct the wise and they will become wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. Instruct the wise, they'll become wiser still. Teach the righteous, they'll add to their learning. Now here's the thing. When I think about whether or not I accept correction, I have to think clearly about whether I accept it or not. Ready? Because tolerating correction is not accepting it. Tolerating correction is not loving correction. These are very different things. And for many of us, especially in conservative Christian circles, we will tolerate correction. We'll let you tell us something. A lot of us who are, who are teenagers or kids, you'll tolerate, you'll let your dad tell you. Right? You'll let him tell you. You'll let your mom tell you. And you'll sit and listen because you know it's the shortest path to getting out of this right? I used to do that with my mom. She'd tell me, I'd listen, and I'd look through her. You ever have somebody look through you? They'll look at you, but they're not looking at you. They have that haze on their face, and my mom would say, you look at me or I'll smack you, and Phyllis would. Phyllis was not afraid to make physical contact, right? So, like, she would, she hated that because she knew I would, I'm just letting you, okay, so you're going to say, I'm going to go do what I'm going to do. It's not the idea. The fool tolerates the fool will sit and listen. The wise love 
Instruct a wise person, you add to their wisdom. Now, how do you know which one you are? The way that you can discern whether you're just accepting discipline or loving discipline is just think about the ways that how you react when correction is brought to you. When your wife says to you, honey, I really wish you, when your teacher says to you, all you have to do is think about how you receive when correction comes to you, right? So sometimes when people come and correct us, right, we will respond differently. Some of us respond defensively. I call it the yeah, but, right? Hey, listen, you didn't do what I asked you to do. Yeah, but, yeah, but dad, listen, you just don't understand. Listen, the boss comes, listen, uh, I really need you to work on this project. Yeah, but I'm so busy and yeah, but it's the, it's the yeah, but and we'll respond defensively. So what happens is no one will ever correct us. They, don't, they won't put up with the fight, right? There's blame shifting. Some of us are blame shifters. Somebody corrects us, we'll shift the blame. Hey, uh, why'd you get this D minus in, in your biology test? The teacher, dad. Teacher can't teach. Oh, oh, oh really? I, yeah, I don't know, man. It's the worst teacher I've ever had. I mean, they can't teach. I don't even know how they get their teaching license. That's fascinating because they have, a, they have a master's degree. They've been teaching for 20 years. And, you know, they can't, it, it, they can't teach me, Dad. I just, they, they, just, you know, they just don't understand me. It's just the way that it is. I, I studied, and they gave me the wrong stuff to study. <laughs> well, did the whole class flunk? No, Dad, you just don't understand. <laughs> Terrible teacher. The whole education system's messed up, Dad. That's the problem with our culture today, right? It, it's, the, it's the blame shifting. It's somebody else's fault. You get that at, at work, right? Man, how come you got this? How come you got fired again? My boss is an idiot. They, they don't know how to run this company. Wow, you've been in a lot of companies that nobody knows how to run. You have like a history of bad companies. I know. It's a problem. Why, why don't you start your own then? Well, the government. <laughs> See, it's a blame shifting. Correction comes, it's never my fault. It's your fault, somebody else's fault. I don't love it. I might tolerate it, but I'm not going to love it. The other thing that happens is the mocker will just disregard it. You're dumb. That's dumb. I'm not doing that. That's what a mocker will do. And I can know if I, if I despise discipline or if I, love, if I love discipline, if I despise correction or I love correction by the way that I receive it. A wise person will look and say, hey man, thank you for pointing it out to me. Honey, I, I love that you love me, but could you do this, this, and that? Yeah, you know what? Thank you. I have a blind spot. Thank you. I really, because I really do want to express love to you. Now I know how. Uh, I, I flunked this test. Why'd you flunk this? I don't know. I, I studied really hard, and the teacher told me maybe I studied it wrong. All right, well, let's talk to the teacher and figure out what they're looking for, and let, let's be corrected. Let's love it. Thanks for pointing that out to me, right? Okay, now, the fool despises correction, the wise embrace it. Now, here's the question. Why am I always defensive when somebody corrects me? Why do I always blame shift? Why do I reject? What, 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 every bomb has a fuse, every fuse has a spark, every spark has a source. What is going on in me that I'm the person that is never corrected. I, I don't listen. I don't want to hear. I, I, I tense up the minute somebody says, can I talk to you about something? Why don't I love it? Why do I despise it or hate it? Well, there, the Bible will give us several reasons. One is pride. So the root of all sin is pride. So some of us are just prideful, 
and, and we need to humble ourselves because we don't know what we don't know and we just need to admit that. that that's for sure some of us. Others of us have issues in our life where we, we can backtrack and say, oh, I made a decision back here that causes me to feel funny. I, I'll give you another personal example. Just my example, you got your own, right? One of the reasons why I struggle with correction is because when, I, when you correct me, I often feel rejected. Isn't that weird? When I'm corrected, I often feel rejected. And I was working on that, trying to figure that out. And I took that, I tried to trace it back to the source. And I think I know the source. I think it was my eighth grade science teacher, straight up. And an incident that happened uh, in a hallway, it's in one of my books, you can read it for $9.99, right? So it's right there. Uh, And I documented it. But here's what happened. That incident caused me to make a decision, right? So I already looked, I already decided I'm not going to, I struggle to receive guidance because nobody cares about me. I'm going to do life on my own. And in that incident, I remember deciding in that incident, you know what? If I perform at a high enough level, you won't have a choice but to love me. Somewhere in my heart, that decision was made. If I perform at a high enough level, you won't have a choice to love me. So I do. I always have. I perform at a high level. I, I, find, I, will, I will walk into any situation, find out, I'll identify the top level, and I'll start working my way to it. If I can be the smartest, if I can be the funniest, if I can be the best, if I can be the most athletic, if I can have the biggest church, if I can be the best speaker, if I, can, if I perform at a high enough level, people won't be able to help but love me, right? And this is what happens. When you bring correction to my life, I feel like I'm not performing. So I resent it. I don't like it because I feel rejected. I bring that into my marriage with Heidi. I'm gonna be the best husband. When I got married, when I, when I became a husband, I wasn't gonna be a husband. I was gonna be the husband, the best husband ever, right? And my family was gonna have it all. We we're gonna have a nice house and we we're gonna have F-150s and we we're gonna, everything you would ever dream of, right? And that's my family. So I, I wanna provide that for her and I wanna do that for her. And I wanna, so when Heidi looks at me and says something innocent, like, you know, sweetie, um, I feel really loved when you do this instead of this. Or if you could work on that, it would really help me. I don't receive that as correction, I, re- I receive that as rejection. I, in my heart, I look at Heidi, I'm like, what is your problem? Do you, do you realize how good your life is? I, you realize who you married? My bogeness is overwhelming right? Because you have it all. I've given you all. I, 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 I bring home a lot of money, and I have a lot of success, and our family name is really famous, and, and you have a very comfortable life, and on top of all that, I'm sexy. You hit the gold mine, girl, and I will, I will get defensive and dismissive and blame. It's her fault. It's not my fault. It's not because I want to be a jerk. It's because I feel rejected, We hit the trace. There's an explosion. You don't appreciate anything, and you don't know. I do this with my kids. You bunch of spoiled brats. Speak truth in love, but right? You know what your problem is, and I'll just verbally blow up. A bomb will go off, and if I trace it back, because that incident was not the big incident. It's just the end of the line. The fuse has been burning for a long time. It was sparked years ago when I felt a certain way, and why did I feel that way? Because I really thought that if I performed at a high enough level, you couldn't help but love me. It's the source. And that's my example. And I have to bring wisdom in. 
bring the word of God in, God's love for me, God's acceptance of me. It's the only way to heal that in my life. I can manage these explosions a thousand times and it'll just keep happening. But if I can, if I'll humble myself, if I'll receive the love of God, if I'll allow wisdom to speak into my life, see, see how that works? Now, you got your own source. That's just my source. And that's just one of my sources. I got a bunch of problems, right? But that's one of them. But where I'm allowing wisdom not just to manage the blow up and not just to slow down the burn, but to actually heal the source and bring change into my life. Here's the last thing that Proverbs would talk about. Proverbs would say this. If I want to avoid the blow up, I need to make wisdom my destination, I need to wake wisdom my destination. There, there's a point in my life where I actually have to decide that what I want is wisdom. What I want is what we often call Christ-likeness or to be like Jesus. If I want my life to be centered on Christ, if I want to love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, if I want to love my neighbor as myself, if that's the life that I want, I want to be a great dad, I want to be a good husband, I want to be a faithful friend, I want to be successful in my relationship with Christ, I I want to be that person, then I have to set out for that because there is no neutral in our spiritual life. You either are going after wisdom or you're drifting into folly. So I'm setting a destination, saying I'm, I'm going to pursue wisdom. That's what I want and what I'm going to give myself to. Now, Proverbs says that's good, and it says the way to do that is to set that destination. And Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 tells us how to do it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is how I set that path in my life. That word fear is an interesting word. A lot of times when we talk about fear, when it comes to our interaction with God, we're talking about reverence, we're talking about respect, and we're talking about being in awe of God. And those are very accurate descriptions. I am reverent toward God. I accept God's word as truth and poured it into my life, right? I respect God, right? I, ha- I have a, a respect and uh, interact with God in kind of a dignified way. I stand in awe of God. I'm kind of blown away by God's love and God's goodness, and those are all true things. There's another aspect to it, okay? Uh, I had a fear of my father, which means that I, I, I respected my dad. I respected my dad very, very deeply in what he stood for and, and what he gave his life to, right? Uh, I, I honored my father and my mother till they passed away. Heidi, Heidi and I gave ourselves to, to them in many ways. I have an awe of my father. So if you say, if somebody says, you're just like your dad, I'll say thank you. I want to be like my dad, right? I loved him. He, he loved me. I was very secure in that. Here's the, here's the next thing. Ready? I was actually afraid of the man sometimes. And I wasn't afraid because my dad was imbalanced. I was afraid because what Clarence said is what Clarence meant. And that actual, that fear or uh, recognition of his authority was a big part of my life. If Clarence said... If you say that one more time, you're getting a spanking, Clarence is going to spank you. If Clarence said, you slam your door, you're going to lose it. I, I had a lot of, lot of time in my life with no bedroom door. If, if Clarence said, you get a speeding ticket, you're not starting your car for six months. 
For six months, I pushed my car up and down the driveway, right, to, to move it to plow snow or play basketball. Because what Clarence said is what Clarence meant. But here's the thing. My father's discipline was never punitive. My father's discipline was there because he, I trusted that he loved me. I awed him. I respected him. I honored him. I felt loved by him. I loved him. But what my father said is what my father meant because my father would use discipline, use correction to train me. The fear of my father set my path in a certain direction because when my father said, if you do this, this, and this, this is going to be the outcome, I, I locked into that. When our heavenly father, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When our heavenly father says, listen, if you do this, this, and this, that's a fool's life, and this is the destruction you will wind up in. He's not wagging his finger saying, hey, dummy, knock it off. He's looking and saying, listen, I'm telling you, I know I am wisdom. If you do this, this, and this, it's going to be the outcome of your life. If you, if you make this decision, this decision, this, this is going to be the outcome of your life. If you ignore me in this way, this way, this way, it's going to be the outcome of your life. And I can respect God, and that's huge. And I can honor God, and that's massive. And I can appreciate God and feel loved by God, and that's very, very important. And I also need to remember that God is a powerful God and that what he says is what he means. And he tells me what he means, not because he's mad at me. He tells me what he means because he wants me to have the life that I want, and he knows the path to get there. Wisdom will always be proven right. God is never wrong about anything. So when he lays out the path, he does this all through Proverbs. He's like, there's this path that takes you to a place of righteousness and blessing, and then there's this path that will blow your life up, and it will blow your life up every time. And when I trace back to the source, every bomb has a fuse, every fuse has a spark, every spark has a source. When I trace back to the source, if I will lay in a foundation of righteousness as defined and governed by wisdom, I will go to the place that I want to go every single time. And if I lay in a path of foolishness, I will go to the place I don't want to go every single time. And the fear of the Lord helps me right? It helped me. It was an accountability for me that if Clarence found out, right? It's not because I wasn't afraid of my father, like he he was going to be unstable or violent. I just knew that what dad said is what dad meant, and that authority protected me until I matured and grew, got rid of my simplicity, and got wisdom. This is a, a huge part of what Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 through 7 means when God says trust in the Lord with all of your heart lean not on your own understanding don't live independently that's what fools do right guidance correction in all of your ways submit to him the fear of the Lord I come under God's authority and he will make your paths straight do not be wise in your own eyes fear the Lord shun evil. There's a better way, and it's a way that God wants, and it's not mysterious, right? It's available, but it comes from God. It will never come from myself, and it's not just life improvement. It's life change on the deepest levels of who I am. The wise person is not just a better person. They are a new person, The wise person is not just a mature person, they're a redefined person. 
The wise person is not just a self-controlled person. They are a spirit-controlled person. They're a new creation. The wise person is the person who empties themselves of themselves. They, they, they pull the hard drive of their life, and then they plug in the hard drive of, of Christ, a different system, and it moves me through life in a different way and allows me to be who God has called me to be. And in all of this, what's amazing is God is not shaking his finger saying, knock it off, I told you. In all of this, God is saying this. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should, what? Say it. Ask. I'm not hiding from you. I'm not playing like a game where you have to figure me out and hope that you did okay. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously without finding fault. God is not mad at you that you don't know. I'm never mad at my children for not knowing. They come and ask me, I want to show them. In fact, I love it when they do that. That's not mad at you that you don't know. But if he asks, James goes on, he must receive. Because the person who asks and doesn't receive is like a ship that's blown and tossed by the wind, and they will not receive wisdom from God. Their life will just blow around and be a disaster, right? So God loves you. He's not out to get you. He would have got you by now. You've given him plenty of opportunities. He's not out to get you. He loves you, and he's also not going to make you a robot. He doesn't program you so that I can only do what God... He's a friend, a brother, Jesus is. And God says, ask me. I will be more than happy to guide you through these life circumstances. Ask me. Ask me to bring healing and help to the sources, right? And, and I would love to give you the life that you long for on the deepest levels. All right, this is what I think we should do. Let's take some time and be still, okay? So let's, don't run to the bathroom. You can hold it. Don't get another cup of coffee. Don't worry about the traffic. There's police out there to help us get out, right? So let's just be still for a while. And let's ask God to show us some of these sources in our lives. Why, why don't you ask for guidance? Why do you think that you can figure everything out on your own? Why is that? What's the source of that? And ask God to surface that. Confess it, cleanse it, change it. New hard drive. Why, why are you always defensive about correction? What's the source of that? Why do you, why do you respond the way that you do? When, you, when people that you know love you say something, why is that? Ask God to surface that, to show you. Confess it, cleanse it, new hard drive, right? And then, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And that, that at its very, very core is our salvation. Guys, if you take, all, you take all these conversations we've had, and if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you can take them, and you will get good, helpful stuff out of it. You really will, because the Bible works, so it always works. For the righteous and the unrighteous, the Bible says. For people who follow Jesus, people who don't, the Bible still works. If you want to change on the deepest levels, though, that's a spiritual thing. 
God has to do that. The Bible says that the heart, our hearts are so wicked we don't even know. I don't even realize how, when I'm being selfish. I don't even realize when I'm self-centered. See, I don't even know the depths of that. So if I want change and I want dramatic change and I want permanent change, when, when my marriage is no, it, it isn't gonna take another hit. When I, 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 I can't fall off this wagon again. I ha- my life is, I have to get on a different direction. Well, that's something that Christ has to be invited into. And at the core of that, the beginning of that is our salvation. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, if you've never confessed your sin and confessed your need for God, and agreed with God that Christ alone is the source of salvation and asked for his forgiveness, I invite you to do that right now. Don't worry about what to say. Worry about meaning what you do say. God knows what you mean. There aren't magic words. But from your heart to God's heart, maybe you've known about Christ your whole life, but you look and say, I've never, I've never actually surrendered myself to God. I just know the answers. That's what I did. I was a junior in college before I surrendered my life to Christ. Knew the Bible inside and out. Didn't care. Maybe that's what you need to do today. But we have to surrender ourselves, right? Give ourselves over. And then Christ, the Holy Spirit, the wisdom of God makes us into a new creation. So why don't we bow our heads and close our eyes for a minute. Uh, I'll pray, and then the band will come out, and they, they have some songs. These songs they're going to play are really prayers, so maybe you can pray along with them or pray on your own, but let's just be still for a few minutes and spend some time with, with God. Jesus, we love you. Help us in all of these things. God, this stuff is, is deep, and it's difficult, and we need your mind and your heart to come to bear on this. And so, Holy Spirit, would you interact with those of us who are followers of Jesus right now in a deep, deep way? And would you also, Lord, for those of us who don't know you yet, would you call us to yourself right now and help us to come to a point where we accept that we need you and we ask for the forgiveness of sin and receive you? Press into our hearts, press into our minds, and speak to us, God even in these still moments. Jesus, in your name we pray, amen.